welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, we host guest Tim Perryman. Tim co-owns Perryman Painting and Remodeling with his wife and has done so for nearly 30 years. Tim's primary roles at Perryman Painting and Remodeling are general manager, sales manager, and people coach, and his company did $4.5 million of revenue in 2021. He is a strong believer that running a successful painting and home remodeling company requires a focus first and foremost on people management and people empowerment, and that only through having happy employees are you able to consistently provide a superior experience to your customers. He is optimistic about the future of the painting industry, and throughout the episode, Tim shares much advice on how to create a company culture that will help propel your painting business into the millions. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Tim, thank you for being on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, man. Hey, how's it going? Good to, good to be here with you. It's going well. It's going well. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So the, uh, you, you have Tim, you have Perryman Painting and Remodeling. What do you guys do? Um, started off as a painting contractor and about, um, you know, we've added more services throughout the years, but about five, six, seven years ago, I got my general contractor's license. You know, so we could do kitchen and bath remodeling primary, primary focus on that. We've uh, just kind of, we used to do a lot of different stuff, but really just trying to focus on kitchen and bath remodeling on the, on the remodeling side of the business. We're about 50-50 painting and remodeling. Got it. And then what prompted that shift? Um, primarily, I was getting bored. <laughs> As entrepreneurs, <laughs> that seems to happen a lot with us. Um, uh, that, that and I was really trying to... Um, increase our average job size okay if we could sell more services to the same customer uh, we don't need as large of a sales team Um, so that and then we were also trying to generate more interior work for the off season in the winter time so we can you know not have as as much of a negative impact on revenue uh, when it starts raining getting cold so so where where are you guys based uh, we're just outside of Sacramento uh, in Placer County. Um, our shop's in Rockland. I live in Penryn. So we're right at the base of the Sierra Nevadas. Okay, great. And you guys have just that one office location? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I work, uh, our office in Rockton. I work out of my home office quite a bit. Um, and my wife does too. So my wife's my partner in the company. Okay. Now you guys have a 50 50 split. What does that yep. look like? Yep. Yep. Nice. Good. Very, very cool. The, been, uh, been married 27 years. So been, been partners, uh, pretty much since the beginning. So you guys have withstood the test of time in more than one way then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been an interesting journey for sure. So I got yeah. lucky. I, I found a good one. Good for you. One that can stick, one that can stick with me for this long. She's, uh, she's got a lot of, uh, lot of tenacity yeah definitely has some grit to go through that so you where are you at revenue wise right now uh 2021 we're gonna be right around 4.5 okay nice and then what is the what's the split i guess painting versus remodeling we're about 50 50 50 50 and so were you probably closer to 55 45 uh, a little bit more painting this year than remodeling but not much it's it's usually really close Got it. And so we're, when you made the decision six or seven years ago, and I know you did it kind of to, to, you got a little bored, where were you at six or seven years ago, revenue wise? Um, that was, uh, so we were in 2004, 2005, we were doing about $5 million a year in, in just painting revenue. Oh, wow. Uh, we were doing, we were doing track homes. We were doing new commercial, new custom homes. I mean, repaints, we were doing a lot of different types of painting. Um, and we just weren't enjoying it. Um, you know, we did a lot of prevailing wage work and, you know, capital, working capital needs. And it, we just decided just to scale it back down and just start doing repaints. Um, and the timing was pretty good because then we had to crash. <laughs> so we were scaling back. We were scaling back uh, while the, the market crash happened in, in 08. Yeah. Um, so we went from $5 million a year down to about a million dollars a year where we were just running 10 painters. The wife and I were working out of the house. Um, and it was easy, uh, but you know, I'm 53 now that was, you know, I was 45 back then. And I just looked at the wife and said, I just, I can't do this for another 15, 20 years. It's yeah, boring. <laughs> you know, I need a challenge. So, uh, so we decided to go ahead and, and, and hire a sales guy and, and start growing the company again. For you, man, that's interesting. Yeah. Most, most of, uh, the guests have kind of had a, a mostly upward trajectory. You've kind of run the gamut here. And almost had several, almost, almost a couple of different companies, I would say, with what you're doing right now. I think, I think anyone that's been around long enough has had, you know, their share of successes and failures. And if you mm -hmm. haven't gone through a correction uh, where you failed and you had to scale back and, and reset and, and try to ramp up again, then you, you, it's coming. <laughs> if it hasn't happened yet, yeah. either you're lucky or it's going to come at some point, you know, because there's means other you're probably factors young. that happen in that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then are you strictly residential or you both what do, what do you feel we're almost 100 percent uh existing homes we're in home improvements okay got it and then uh who are your target customers what does what your demographic look like uh we target about 12 to 15 zip codes different zip codes uh based okay. on um average median income uh house values you know so we don't we don't really serve the affluent we it's the middle to upper income level busy professionals, busy moms, you know, the retirees, um, people that, uh, don't want, they want to hire someone they can trust, you know, they don't have yep. to worry about someone coming out and, and screwing up. They'll pay a little bit more to get that. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think that that trust factor is huge, right? They're, they they want to buy from someone they know, like, and trust. So yep. 
but I think it's interesting that you said you don't serve the affluent because I think it's, for a lot of painting company owners, especially newer or smaller ones, they think that that those are the best customers. Why do you sort of almost not alienate, but not really target maybe that top five or 10%, but below that, what does that look like and why? Yeah, it's not that we don't, we don't work for them. It's just not our target market. Uh, there's a lot less of them, first yeah, off, right? You have, you have a much smaller marketing pool to go towards. So, uh, and they can be a little bit more demanding. They're expecting, you know, um, a higher level of finish. So if you don't have a bunch of really high-end craftsmen on your team, uh, you know, it's not just the experience at that point. Now it's, you know, they want the ultra-fine finishes. And I just don't have the patience for that anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know? That's that's interesting. Yeah, it's almost uh, it's almost a separate service offering in a way when when it you can get to that level. Yeah, it can be. You know. So when you when you're kind of targeting upper, um, you know, middle to upper, I guess, do you have percentages like, hey, we go from from the top, uh, you know, top uh, ninety five to the top fifty, or what does that look like in terms of income? Um. Tell me more about that question. I, I don't think I. Yeah, quite I don't think I worded it so. I don't think I worded it so well. So. Let's say you didn't target the top five percent because those are those are the the customers that tend to be more demanding, which obviously can hurt your margins if you have to go back and repeat work. Um, do you go from like fifty percent to ninety five percent, or do you have a set range? That's a good question. You know, we don't really track um, that. We don't track our our we track our zip codes. You know, we do a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of data reporting, and so we track you know number of appointments and sales and closing rates and by 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 zip codes yeah uh, but not necessarily by you know the the demographics that's that's a data point that we don't track and probably i'll never will because we track too much data as it is um <laughs> but we I, I believe that that targeting specific zip codes that fit the home values uh that we're targeting kind of hits that 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 demographic you know yeah. it's not perfect um but it works you know, if you get into direct mail, you can really get laser focused on 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 messaging and who you talk to. And I know you can do that with, you know, retargeting on social media. There's a lot of ways to do that. We're just not that sophisticated. Um, eventually, I'd like to be, you know, have a marketing team that that knows how to do all that stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a good point, especially when you are targeting geographic areas that generally are fit you can really develop presence there as well, right? If you're using bandit signs or they're seeing your bands routinely, you can kind of become the local painter in that mm -hmm. suburb. Um, yeah, we only target, uh, you know, we don't even target Sacramento, city of Sacramento. There's a big, a big market there. Um, we kind of target the, the outside edge of the Northeast section of it. So, um, so there's a lot of growth opportunities just in our, you know, 50 mile radius from here. Yeah, interesting. Uh, we, want to, we want to scale into different markets we can, but, you know, we're, we've got a really good name recognition where we're at. We've been doing this for 30 years, so. Yeah. So is that primarily, I know you you have some sales people and I know you you don't have a, a really fully built out marketing team and you've been around for a long time. So is it a safe assumption that you're primarily generating business to repeat and referral customers at this point? Well, my wife, uh, she pretty much sits in the marketing seat. That's what she does. That's her main, her main thing for the company. Uh, she's really good at graphic design, uh, content, making things look pretty, uh, getting stuff out the door. Um, we've we've got a lot better on a, you know our target client and messaging and and how all that works. Um, you know, we started tracking lead sources and return on investment and you know um, and all that stuff. So we've gotten better at it. Uh, we still have a long ways to go. You know, we're not very good at social media, although we we get 
we, we have a lot of activity on social media, but it doesn't generate a, a tremendous amount of leads. So uh, that's something we're going to focus on in 2022 is really get our social media marketing down with before and after pictures and videos and, you know, uh, getting, getting engagement from our, our target market, you know? So. Yep. Yeah. And that, that actually was a shift um, that Facebook made. So it, it used to be, if you had organic posts, if you were just active on social media, you would have a wide uh, following, a lot of engagement. They decided ultimately they didn't publicize this, but they changed their algorithm to really promote paid advertising. And so now you essentially will reach probably a tenth of, of what you would have reached two years ago if you don't boost that post or if you don't pay for a structured advertising campaign. A lot of painting company owners don't realize that, but it has changed. Yeah, we've noticed we've noticed that the type of post, good photos, if you've got a video, is really good. Uh, less marketing and more just content that people want to look at. Yeah. Um, uh, instead of just, hey, you know, call us, hire us, here's our discount, here's our marketing piece, right? So, yeah. Uh, so, so we're working on it. It's uh, we do notice that, that that we don't really get any leads unless we're boosting posts. You know, it's yeah. Not super expensive, but but we track it. and We're only getting, I think. Five percent of our leads are coming from from social media right now. So, yeah, the it's a great point that you make too about not being overly salesy. You know, people are not on Facebook, Instagram platforms like that to be sold to. One of the the um, kind of I guess rules of thumb that we found works really well is the eighty twenty rule. So, have eighty percent of your posts be value add, be just sort of demonstrating your work, but not salesy at all. And then have 20% maybe be some kind of a promotion or you're in this neighborhood or whatnot. Allows people to not be jaded. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're launching a new, a new division for concrete coatings. We're going to be uh, the area dealer for this, this material product. So, um, but we engage with a, a marketing team um, that is kind of backed by the parent company. And uh, I'm really excited to work with them because they're all about lead generation through Facebook primarily. And I spoke nice. to one of the other dealers and uh, he can't keep up, keep up with the leads that they're generating through Facebook. That's so, fantastic. So I'm, I'm just going to be super excited to see what they can do on that end. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. We'll have you back on the podcast end of 2022. You'll be at 10 million. Mm-hmm. Be, be a <laughs> year of explosive growth. Um, Okay, so I, I love the fact that you're tracking your metrics. You, you say you don't have a, you guys aren't super tech savvy, but yet you are tracking your numbers, which is already a lot, a lot more than a lot of companies are doing. Talk to me a little bit more about that, about where you're finding the highest ROI and, and kind of the different mechanisms you're using to grow your business. On marketing specifically? On, on marketing, yeah. How, where you're getting your leads from? Uh, right now, last year, the, the majority of the leads came from home advice. So we were doing a lot of okay. a lot of purchasing leads. Um, uh, the return on the investment on Home Advisor it wasn't bad; it's about eight to ten percent. Um, but our lead conversions to appointments was really low. Um, our closing rates were really low. Um, yeah, you know, we just found that the quality of those leads weren't very good. So we we really focused on in 2021 focusing. We had four key things we were trying to do in 2021, which is increase the percentage of leads from our repeat customers, percentage of leads from referrals, uh, percentage of leads from Google, and social media. And we achieved the first three. Social media, we failed. We didn't. We didn't really push the needle on that one. So, 
Right now, Google's our number one lead source, and by far, it's inexpensive. The leads don't cost that much, but you have to have a really good website. You got to have some good SEO going, um, and you got to you got to pay for the pay for the ads. You know. So when you say Google, are you essentially blending paid pay per click Google ads with the organic SEO? Yeah. When basically, whenever someone calls, we ask them, "Hey, how'd you hear about us?" Okay. You know, if they say our website, we ask qualifying questions for what drove you to our website. You know, um, uh, so we don't even websites not even one of our lead sources. So if someone calls us said website, they well, there's no place for my guy to put it into. He has to ask it a qualifying question. They well, how did we you know what drove you to our website? So, right. um, so um, you know a lot of it's a lot of it's that I think we only spent twenty thousand dollars on Google last year. Nice. And again, yeah, it was the cool. highest percentage of our lead source. I think it generated, you know, 30, 35% of our leads. So, yeah, that's great, man. That's great to hear. And then uh, do you track when these leads come through? So I know home advisor, the leads were not the best and you do get a lot of tire kickers and, and it is a different game, but do you track the profit margins and tie that to your lead sources? Um, our gross profit margins are pretty consistent regardless of lead source. So, but we do track okay. revenue. So okay. by lead source, we track uh, spend, you know, what we spent on the, on the, on the lead source. We track how much, how many leads came in, how many of those converted to appointments, uh, how many of those appointments turned into sales, uh, the total revenue, the average sale. Uh, those are the key metrics that I look at when I, when I want to look at lead source uh, performance. Yeah. I want to see at least, I want to see at least a 10 X return. I want to see a high lead conversion to appointments and I want to see a high close rate. Yep. Uh, that so way, we, you know, because if all your, all your lead sources are performing well, then your sales team's doing better too. So, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. So when you say a 10x return, I just want to clarify this for, because it can be confusing for people. You're basically speaking about the revenue that you ultimately generate from the, from the marketing dollars that you put in. So you put in $100 to HomeAdvisor, you want to see $1,000 in revenue from everyone who came through. Is that correct? Okay. So then, then when you're saying, you know, that the leads and then what percentage of those are booking estimates and what percentage of those estimates are becoming booked jobs, ultimately that 10 X number, you're talking about the end of the line from the beginning of the line to the end of the line. It's just one metric that we look at um, <laughs> because if you're closing half of those, those appointments that you're running, that means you have to run twice as many appointments to get the yep. same amount of sales. So uh, you're a cost per appointment. If you factor in your labor, right, your guys, your opportunity and all that. Uh, it can really affect it. And so when we first started doing home advisors, we said, hey, it's a nine times return. That's not bad because we can yep. we can fill the appointment calendar quick. But then when we started to peel back the onion on the other metrics, like, hey, it's not really that good of a resource we need to move yep. away from. So I love that. I love that. And it's something that a lot of smaller guys overlook. You know, I, I, in, in my mind, the worst scenario is, a, is an estimate that doesn't convert. That's the worst scenario because you, you bought the lead or however you got the lead. Your salesperson wasted his or her time. Your estimator went out and wasted time. You, you have so many people who just wasted all that time on providing that estimate. And you have to factor that in. Yeah. Um, some of you guys know Garrett Martell from, from Two Day Painting. Uh, yeah. He uh, coached me for a few months, a few years ago. And one of the things he brought to my attention, was he called a lead slippage. You know, slippage, yeah. Number, number, of, number of leads that turn into appointments. And we sucked at that. Yeah, we got a we got a new lead. We would call them once, we'd call them twice, and then we would <laughs> yeah. not call them anymore. 
right? Yeah. Oh, well, they weren't interested, right? They're, oh, they didn't right. pick up the phone. And we're like, shit, we don't, we don't need as many leads if we can convert them all into appointments. So we really got focused on our, our lead, our lead conversion and yeah. our follow-up process to set an appointment. And our lead conversions went from 50% to we're close to 90% in 2021. So from, from leads to a set estimate. Right, right. So we have one person, his main responsibility is uh, managing lead sources when they come in, getting on them and converting those to appointments. Okay, so the way that you were able to solve this is you basically hired someone who his job is to get these estimates set, kind of an inbound sales rep. He's inside sales, exactly. Okay, got it. He does outbound calls too, but his main job is he tracks leads, he, he texts, emails, calls, whatever he's got to do to convert that into an appointment. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah. Garrett actually was on the, on the podcast a ways back. So he had a lot of good insight. Super smart guy. Love Garrett. Yeah. I need to reach out to him. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah. Super, super smart guy. So are there any marketing or growth strategies that you thought would work well, you were excited and then it was just a total flop? From a marketing standpoint, not really. I mean, we tried, we tried TV a long time ago. We used to do home shows, um, you know, but we really weren't aware of, you know, lead generation, what that meant and lead conversions and closing rates and all that stuff. It was just, we were just out there just doing whatever we can to what we thought was running a hustling. business. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. Just hustling without really a whole lot of clear direction on what we were doing. You know, it's like, Hey, yeah. we're just trying to, trying to grow the company. Yep. Yeah. And in the beginning, sometimes it's just kind of what you have to do too. You know, it, it's not always so clean and neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Business. Uh, it's interesting, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to find a direction of what you're doing and why you're doing it is, uh, is, is, is a, a project in itself. You know, it is. Yeah. Kind of your, your, your why, right. Your long distance, why your long distance amb ambition but then you have to rein that back into what are you actually going to accomplish over the next 12 months, over the next quarter? And then how do you even know whether you're doing it, whether you're on the right trajectory or not, right? Because you can, you can get into this sort of hamster wheel uh, situation. Yeah, I talk to, you know, a lot of young contractors and they want to know, you know, I want to grow my business like, you know, your size. And I'm going, well, you know, why? Why do you want, what, what do you want out of it? Mm -hmm. they just, they're just like, hey, I just, I just want to grow my company. And it's like, well, why do you do that? They look at me kind of with a blank stare in their eyes. They're going, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah. You, know, and so you really need to think about that because if you can get really clear on your why, why is it that I want to grow my business? Why, why do I have a business in the first place instead of just paying for somebody else? Right. Um, you know, what motivates you to get up and grow this thing? Yeah. You know, what is it going to look like in five years from now? What's, what's your lifestyle going to be like? What, do, what is your day going to look like? Yep. You know, why is it that you want to grow this thing? Do you want to make more money? If so, you know, how much do you want to make? And, and you know, what, and by what date? Yeah. Get clear, get clear on that. Uh, if it's about getting more free time, well, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it, 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 yeah. You're, you're going to have to invest a lot of, lot of hours to get to a point where you're going to have that free time. Yeah. Depending on what your goals are, you know, everyone's different. That's why you got to get clear on that. What do I want out of my business? Right. Uh, that's where, where 
assessments like disc assessment can really come into play. Uh, if you've never had one done on yourself, it's, I'd highly recommend it. One of the things they measure um, are the things that motivate you, your motivators. Uh, and if you can tie what motivates you, what gets you up every day to do what you do, to building your business, uh, it, it becomes really fun. It kind of helps you get clarity on your why behind it. You, know? so, uh, you might you might be motivated by, you know, money, uh, results, metrics, uh, you know, uh, tangible things. Uh, you might be motivated by helping other people, you know, helping your customers, helping your employees. Uh, you might be motivated by work-life balance. Um, might be motivated by learning knowledge. Right? Yep. Um, if you can tie those motivators to your why, um, they can be super powerful. You know, they really can. Yeah. It's, I've, I've been working on that for years. I mean, people would ask me that when I was younger, Hey, why you, you know, what, what, what is it that drives you? What's your why? You got to have a reason why you're building the business. Otherwise you're never going to make it. You're never going to succeed. And I would yeah. just look at them the same way guys look at me now. They're like, I want to make more money. I want to have free time. Right. That's most yeah. of the common answers that people give you. And you have to dig deeper than that. You really do. And if yeah. you can tie that, your, your motivators to the goals of the business, uh, it becomes a lot more fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, there are a lot of, a lot of highs and, a, and probably more lows. I think when you're starting a business and grinding through it, Simon Sinek has a book, start with why. Just like this, man. Yeah. There, there yeah, was some, running the company. yeah. There's some infographic I saw one time. And it was, it was a, a day in the life, life of an entrepreneur or something. It was like, he woke up, he's like, I'm on fire. I can do anything. And then he kind of goes down. He's like, I am the worst. What decision did I make? And then I guess something good happens. He goes up and he's like, wow, I'm literally the best business owner there has ever been. And he's at the, at the lowest point of the whole day. And he's like, I am the stupidest person on the planet. And it's just, it's these extremes. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that graphic and that, that really does anyone that's been doing this any amount of time. Like I said, if you haven't failed, you're either extremely lucky or it's coming. Yeah. You know, you, we fail a lot more than we succeed. We do. And, uh, yep. You really have to have tenacity and persistence and you almost have to be crazy to stay doing this. Yeah. As long as no, you know, it's, it's true. And, and I think the more, you know, people think all oh, there's personal and there's business and maybe for some people that's true. I, I don't really think it's really true for anyone, but when you're an entrepreneur, there's, it is, it's as personal as it gets, you know, your business is you, you've made that choice to to make it basically not your identity i'm a family man i have a lot of other things but it is a very personal thing you the, the success of your business yeah, i believe that you really can't separate i don't care if you're an employee or, or a business owner business owner you're just going to be devoting a lot more of your time towards business but you really can't separate business and and mm -hmm. personal life you really can't because if you're not happy at home you're probably not going to be very happy at work and mm -hmm. vice versa. If you're not not happy and satisfied at work, you're probably not going to be happy at home. Yeah. Um, so being able to tie your personal goals to your business goals uh, is also very powerful, right? Yeah. You know, what what? Because that's why we do this, right? We're trying to improve our lives and and hopefully the lives of our families, the lives of our employees and their families, um, the lives of our customers. I mean, you really. You, you really have to, you can't separate the two. I used to think that they were separate and you don't talk personal business at, at work. And I, I just, I just don't think that's the case anymore. I think you really have to, you have to tie them both together. And if you can tie your personal goals uh, and your professional goals 
to your business goals and you can get everyone in your company in line with that. You can have a super powerful company. You know? Yep. Yep. And that's where the, I think the culture comes from, right? It's, it starts up top and people they think it's this nebulous kind of concept of culture, or maybe it's BS, but it's not. If you, and if you're not aligned, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, how do you expect the rest of your team to be on board? Yeah, I mean, it's really people development. It's one thing that, I, that I'm really focusing on in 20, 2021. My main goal is to become a, a much better coach uh, and developer of people. Because um, I really believe that uh, the main number one thing that's probably going to stop a company from being able to scale is its people. Uh, the development of the people, primarily the leaders in the company, primarily the, the owner of the company, the general manager. That person needs to always be learning and growing uh, because what got you here is not necessarily what it's going to get you there. Yep. Uh, so the owner is, is the leader and the company is going to only be as powerful as the leader is. Yep. Uh, and as you scale, you need more leaders. And so, you know, my role right now is really to develop the other leaders in my company. And that's why I want to become a much better coach so I can help develop them so we can grow the company because without that, we're going to fail, you know? Yeah. Yeah, or we're gonna hit. Or we're gonna hit. We're gonna hit a ceiling, and we're not gonna be able to break through it. You know? Right. Give people the opportunity to grow with your company. I see you have uh, your golf clubs back there. Were, were those kind of positioned there to inspire the? the Actually, smaller... no. Just, I went golfing what last weekend. It's been raining a lot here lately, so we haven't been. A, I'm in a golf league, so I play once a week uh, on Thursday afternoons. We play nine holes. And, nice. And that's about all the golfing I get in. I, every once in a while, I get a full round in. So. Yeah. Nice. So how, you know, there's been a lot of talk in 2021 uh, about labor shortages. How has that impacted your business? Um, they haven't, right? Uh, last year in 2020, uh, there was a definite impact because uh, the government incentivized people to not work. Right. Uh, that, that dragged into 2021, but I think they cut that money in half and a lot of the state unemployment dried up. So it wasn't nearly as bad. Um, we look at, you know, your staffing and getting particularly painters on, on board, uh, is, is much more important than I think the smaller companies realize because every painter that you add, uh, should bring in, you know, close to $15,000 a month in revenue. Um, you know, if you're running 50% gross profit, it's seven grand a month in gross profit. So if you're shorthanded and you've got this big backlog, you've got a lot of opportunity to sit in there. So you have to hire painters. Um, so we, we, we changed uh, Brandon Lewis from the painters Academy was uh, one of my coaches five, six years ago. And he uh, brought awareness to me on the importance of recruiting and you need to look at recruiting like you do marketing for a new customer, right? You have to identify what your ideal painter looks like, right? What drives them? What do they want? What do they need? What's their pain? Right. Uh, develop a message that targets that yep. that person. Uh, then you have to get the message out, right? You got to get it out, whether it's social media, whatever, uh, uh, Craigslist, Indeed, whatever it is. You got to get the message out. Then you got to collect leads. Then you got to convert those leads to appointments. And then you got to close the sale. It's its own sales process. It, it is. And you should, have a, you should have a recruiting budget. And if you look at it like that, uh, you can track. You can say, hey, I need to hire 10 painters this year. Well, if I, if I, if I hire 10 painters, then that means I have to do, you know, 30 face-to-face -face interviews. 
Mm. If I got to do 30 face-to-face interviews, then I got to do, you know, 90 phone interviews. And if I'm going to get 90 phone interviews, then I got to get, you know, 300 leads. Yeah. Uh, And then, okay, well, now my goal is to get 300 leads. How do I do that? Yep. You know, and track it weekly, monthly, you know, have someone that does that constantly. Um, It's interesting. People that say, and you hear it all the time. I can't find anyone any good. I can't find any painters. The the constant refrain. The first thing I asked him, I said, well, let me ask you. Last week, how much time did you spend on recruiting? Last month, how much money did you spend on recruiting? And they'll look at me like, um, I didn't spend any time last week and I didn't spend any money. What are you talking about? People well, are supposed to just show up, Tim. You know that's that. your problem, right? If you are, yeah. if you can't find people, it's because you're not <laughs> actively looking for people, right? So yeah. we, we always we have three ads up running right now, and we don't need anybody. Yep. Yeah. Have a backlog. Yeah. You want to build? You want to build a freaking bank of twenty-five people that you want to come work for you and stay in touch with them? You know? Yeah. That's how you build a company. Yeah. You 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 market and you have a backlog of potential hires. I like business development, right? You're building relationships yeah. you know, with people that you want to come work for. You don't have a spot for them yet, but I'm going to stay in touch with you. And when an opening comes up, hopefully you're available, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the, um, Nick Slavic and I actually talked, went, went pretty in depth about this when he was on the show. And, you know, he has his, his decent human being model. But this idea that, that employees are not really marketed to or thought of, right? And, and so there's a lot that goes into that. You have to obviously have it. Who would you want? Who would you want as a painter? Most people, if you really sat down and thought about it, you want someone motivated. You want someone accountable. You, you want someone presentable to the homeowner or the business owner, whoever they're going. You, there are a lot of different characteristics that you want, right? And so what does that person want? That person most likely wants a stable job with stable income. They probably want opportunity for advancement. They want to know it's going somewhere. They're not the person who just wants to go clock in, clock out and doesn't really care. That's not the employee you want. So if you want to hire a certain employee, you need to market to them, like you said, provide the messaging, provide an actual opportunity at your company for them to do something, right? Advance. And right that very same day that Nick, Nick and I talked about it, I was on Facebook and I saw this ad. Uh, so at least they were running an ad, I guess at least, but it was for a painter. And it was like, don't, you can't be drunk. You can't be high. I was like, if that's what you're putting in your ad, who do you think, who do you think's going to apply? Nope. Uh, nobody who's worth a damn is going to apply to an ad that you're just saying you can't be like, a drunk idiot you know it's it's amazing and then they say oh no one's there well no one's there because no one wants to work for you yeah, you're, you're, are you targeting the unemployed or are you targeting the employed right yeah and that's another point looking, i want to find it i want to find the guy that if i'm looking for a, a skilled painter i want to find the guy that's already working right now yeah he's not sitting at home collecting and, and my message is going to be targeted at him and it's going to be the pain the things that he's not getting from his current employer that we're going to be able to provide so what are what are some of those pains that, that you're going to solve uh, I mean, if you look at the reasons why employees aren't engaged, there's a lot of data out there on that. You know? um, uh, it's recognition okay. of a job well done. Um, they want to know that they're being heard. Yep. Right. The voice is being heard in the company. They want to know that people care about them. Yep. They want to be around a group of people they like and are friends with. Um, you know, they want to be, they want to learn and develop and grow. Right. And, and I would argue that those five things are probably ahead of money. Yeah. Recognition has been, you know, has people been want to make good money. I mean, the money's the easy part, right? But yeah. the other stuff is 
hard stuff, you know. So if you have that uh, and you have steady work, um, clear instructions, you know, um, happy customers. You know, if you're not working for happy customers, man, life life is hell in our, in our industry. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's what you need to provide. If you can provide that, people will, will come and work for you. They'll want to come work for you. The word will start getting out. You know, you'll be, become the New England Patriots of the painting world. Yeah, everyone wants to come. Everyone wants to come and be on that team, right? Because they win. Right, winners. Can you right. give some examples for people who maybe aren't really sure how to how to do that? How can you provide recognition? How how can you do this? Uh, it's 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 a process, right? Um, you need to get clear on your why and what you're doing this for. And once you realize that this business is is not about you know putting paint on houses. It's about the experience, you know, it's about the people, it's about your customers, their experience, it's about your employees and their experience and your own. Uh, once you, once you realize it's about the people, then you really focus on the people, right? And you have to build an organization where, uh, that are full of really like, like Nick's there's kind, good people. So when we we're looking for people, we don't even ask them technical skills until we go through the people skills. Yep. I don't care if you know how to paint, you know, I care if you are going to be a good fit in our company, you know, are you yeah. going to provide our customer with a, with a first class experience? Um, are you coachable? Are you going to be able to follow our process? Uh, and are you going to hold yourself accountable? If you screw up, are you going to own it? You know? Um, and if we feel that they're a good person character wise, then we'll start asking them if we're hiring a, uh, someone that's got skills, we'll start asking skills questions. What do you know? Right. How do you do it? And all that stuff. But that's secondary. We can teach all that really easily. You can't teach someone how to be a good person, you know, so you gotta, you gotta hire for character, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's and, a big point. And if you've got a bad apple in your company, you need to get rid of them quick. You get to weed them out fast. I, we used to let those people waffle in our company for months before, you know, our crew leaders would, would eventually say, this guy, we got to get rid of him. I said, you've been with us like nine months. How, how come you're just now telling me why are you protecting yeah. that guy? You know? Yeah. Uh, but we've got a, a really good at that and just really teaching you know, our leaders have to develop their people. You know, I've got eight direct reports that report to me. My job's to develop them and primarily develop them so they can learn how to develop the people that report to them. So it cascades down all the way down to, you know, the apprentice level in the company. And if uh, you can build a really good world-class training organization where you're just constantly training and growing and developing your people, that's where the power is. That's how you grow a company, you know? Yeah. Uh, everybody's engaged. You know, I talk to my, one of the first things I ask them when we do a check-in is, you know, how, how do you like working here? You know, and there's no better feeling than anyone saying, I love it here. Oh, yeah. I love the direction the company's going in. I love the leadership. I love how well we are our customer focus, our people focus. I mean, that's super good. And I just say, hey, good. Now you got to get that from the people that report to you. Yeah. You know, you want them to be saying the same things to you, you know. Yes, yeah, so uh, you're working you're running a, a really a people business. The painting is essentially secondary. Yeah. Look, you know, the young company uh, business owners, they don't get that. They don't, they don't understand that, that people don't buy paint jobs. Yeah. You know, at least our clients don't, they buy, they want the experience that we're promised. They want a, a hassle-free paint job. They want it to look beautiful, but they want it to be a pleasant experience from the time they first call us, but from the time we walk off the job, you know, and our industry is full of people that don't know how to serve people. Yeah, you learn that. If you can learn that, you will crush it in this industry. I think that's a suck at if you suck at serving people and serving your, your employees, you're going to fail. 
you're yeah. not going to be happy and it's going to be tough. You know? And, and unhappy employees are, are always going to make for unhappy customers. And I think that's a, that's a super good point. You know, plumbers, electricians, they have certain skill sets. Now, I'm not saying painters don't, especially when you get in cabinet refinishing and some, some fall finishes and other things, but there are definitely certain trades that homeowners really can't do themselves. You know, you, you can't go do a bunch of electrical work yourself safely. Painting, people can paint their own house. You know, they can go buy paint and paint their own house. So when you know that, that a viable substitute is them doing it themselves, then it's clear it's not about the paint. Yeah, I mean, you got to differentiate yourself, right? I mean, everybody, it's like everyone's a you know, real estate agent, but, you know, there's, just, there's a ton of freaking painters out there, right? There's just a ton of them, you know? Uh, and when your prices are three times as much as Chuck and the truck's prices are, you know, you better be providing something that's different. And it's not the paint job. Yeah, Chuck right? in the truck. I love that. I mean, it, it could be the paint job. I'm not, I don't want to discount, you know, the, uh, the importance of good craftsmanship, right? Right. Um, that's not what I'm saying. You have to provide a really good paint job. Um, but it's arguably not the most important thing, you know, at least in my opinion, it's not. It's, it's, it's about the people and the experience that you're providing. Yeah, the, the quality is almost assumed. Right. It, it's you have to provide a quality paint job. You can't provide subpar work, but that's not how you charge three times chuck in the truck consistently and grow that business. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Well, well, think of it this way. Right. So the craftsmen out there, right, when they finish painting a house uh, and they look at it and they look how good their job looks. Well, that's a pretty good feeling. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of that work I've done. Yeah. But when the customer comes out of their house and. Uh, and they're crying because the job looks so good and they're so happy with the service. That feeling, that's the feeling that, that is like hundred times more powerful than the joy you get from providing a, a, a good quality job. Right. Right. That customer is so happy with the service that you did and the paint job and everything that there is no better feeling in this business than a customer that is just so happy with what you've done for them, that they're just, on cloud nine, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I want to I want to shift gears slightly and figure out right now. I guess what is what is going the best for your company, and what are you guys maybe struggling with a little bit right now? I know twenty twenty one has been a weird year for everybody. Twenty twenty was a re weird year. Twenty twenty one was a really good year. I, I know a lot of people in the industry that are just killing it this year. There's a ton yeah. of work out there. Uh, the labor shortage is a problem, but it's not nearly as bad as it was last year. Um, we always have supply line issues and getting paint right now is kind of tough, but, um, you know, we're, we're all working through that. So uh, uh, this year, I mean, everything's going really good for us this year. I, you know, I, I, my team's really good. I think we're heading in the right direction. We hit all of our, beat all of our goals, our key goals this year. Um you know, we were able to stay staffed up. You know, we're a little bit slow now. This winter's not nearly as busy as it was last year. Uh, we had a really dry year, so we had a really good December last year. Um, but but January's almost booked up, so uh, you know, we're looking pretty good. But um, so so what's working really good right now? Uh, just our, our focus. I think our ability to be able to forecast uh, accurately, meaning looking out at the next twelve months be able to forecast revenue, um, yeah. uh, gross profit, um, all of our operating expenses, our net profit. Uh, we've gotten really good at that over the year uh, because we track so much data, you know, 
we used to always look at, you know, what happened. Well, that sucks. <laughs> well, let's, just, let's, just, let's just keep doing that again, right? So we're looking, we're always looking at trailing indicators. So we've got yeah. forward. Ho hopefully, we have more profit next year. We'll right, see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I'm just going to work harder. Yeah, just keep just stay in the hamster wheel and run faster. What are you going to work harder on? You know what I mean? So we've yeah. got really good at that. So I, I, I'm really confident in our ability to be able to grow. I mean, you know, barring anything that's outside of our control, you know, you got those threats out there. We got inflation that's ramping up that could cause a big problem. Yeah. Um, I think we're over the, the worst of the supply chain issues. I think that's going to get better next year. But inflation could be a big, a big problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, home a lot of people think. Yeah, homeowners are gonna wonder why their their prices are are higher, and just blaming on inflation is is maybe gonna be a tough sell sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yep, no doubt about it. So, uh, what is the uh, what's the biggest blunder that you guys have ever made with a with a customer, and how did you handle it? Biggest blunder, you know, we've made lots of blunders. There's about every just about every mistake that can have been made in our industry. My company's made it, so. <laughs> uh, seriously <laughs> we, yeah i mean you guys have been around like a long said, time yeah you know, we've learned we've learned we we I, I can't tell you how much money i've invested in mistakes we've made uh, uh probably the most expensive one we were doing a uh, a big commercial job and my sales rep at the time from my paint store uh, told me i didn't need to use uh, the product they specified i could use the product line below that uh, and I said, Oh, look, he, he knew more, he knew more about that industry than I did. I said, Oh, fine. Great. We'll do that. You know, save me some money. And yeah. Sure enough, customer, customer found I wasn't using the right product and, and we had to go back and repaint everything with the right product. And that was expensive. So always follow your scope of work. You know, if it's yeah. in the contract, do what's in the contract. You'll stay out of trouble. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ultimately not his name on that project. Right. Even if he's recommending it. Right. Um, okay, yeah, be, great. be careful who you listen to, who you get advice from. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people out there that think they know what they're talking about. You know, I think that's a I think that's a great point. Yeah, and even even for um, painter marketing pros, we have we have all different sizes and types of painting company owners come through, and I, and I'm going to tell you the disparity between how some people think and how other people think, and and the advice given to some of the newer owners is. Uh, it's scary. It's scary. Some of the advice that's out there. Yeah. I mean, God, if, if you're on social media a lot, I mean, everyone's a, a marketer, a lead generator. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, and I, and I could tell who the good ones are and who the bad ones are by how they, how they contact me and what message they give me. Yeah. Said, you don't even know what my pain is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's your, what's your, why messaging? do I need you? What's yeah. your message? Right. You, I don't want yeah. you to work on my team. You don't even know how to market to me and I'm your ideal customer. You it, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, Tim, I, I had a, um, I, I got a package coming to you. Just the messaging's all off, though. I'm gonna make sure it gets canceled before it arrives. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, you're like a marketing guy, and you don't, you know. And I, yeah. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a professional marketer, but I understand, you know, my, my yeah. customer and what they want to hear, and and you're not gonna work on my team. You know if, I mean? Yeah, if you can't, if you can't land your own clients, how are you gonna land good clients for me? Yeah. You know, marketers, they'll talk about, you know, they want to improve your website. It's all about the SEO, SEO, SEO. And I'm like, SEO is fine and dandy. Um, they'll talk about the metrics on the back end of the website, your backlinks, and your impressions. And I'm going, okay, well, sounds good. Uh, how many leads am I yeah. going to get? Yeah. Right. That's the measurable that I need, that I need to know. 
I don't yeah. care about that. all that other stuff is just feeding the number of leads. How many leads are, how many more leads are you going to generate? For? Right. Yeah. No, super, super good point. What, what's, I call it uh W I I F M what's in it for me. You know, that, that those are the things that, that we look at, that we know about, that we like to talk about, but ultimately the, our customers don't care about that. And even traffic, traffic to a website, traffic to a website is entirely irrelevant. Who the heck cares? Unless you, you know, unless you're Britney Spears that you're trying to be some influencer doesn't matter how many people on your website. What matters is yeah, how, how many, many are becoming customers. How many likes did I get on my Facebook? How, yeah. many, how many people are following me? It's like, well, that's cool, but how many leads is it generating? Tim, that's what I can tell. That's what you're focused on. Your your big vanity with the Facebook. You just want the likes and the shares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, let me ask you this. How do you see the, and I know 2020 was crazy. 2021 has been really good. And, and a lot of people have had a good year. And I can tell you, we've seen a lot of, new startups. So I, I have my own thoughts about what's going to happen, but how do you see the painting industry changing in the future in the next maybe five to 10 years? You know, our, you know, the, the construction industry as a whole generally doesn't change much. If you look at all other industries, as far as technology advances and how they, you know, move the needle as far as how we do things, it, it changes very, very slowly. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, technology is great, but man, it's, it's almost getting, you know, there's too many technology solutions that we're trying to implement and it makes business more complicated. Um, so I'm hoping that that's going to, that's going to get streamlined and that we're going to have more uh, technology solutions that, that are, that can do everything for us, mm. you know. Uh, a CRM and they, and they they have those out there right now, but I haven't, I have yet to find one that can do everything really well. You know, I, seriously, I mean, I, my team, it's like, we have, I think we, we counted them up. We have almost 20 different IT solutions that we, that we're using right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes things complicated, you know? Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping someone comes up with some really good software that can, that can streamline that process. And, and, you know, they have integrations and all that stuff, but it's just, and you almost have to be an IT guru in order to be able to get yeah. all the stuff to function well. And, yeah. you know, most of us aren't, aren't that complicated people and we don't want to have, you know, all this IT stuff. So the young guys that are coming up, I, I think we have a lot of really good young contractors coming up. Nick Slavic, you mentioned him. Um, uh, uh, Jason Paris um, mm -hmm. out in Minnesota. He's super sharp. He's, he's an innovator. He's going to change this industry. I think he's, he's got some really good ideas. In fact, I'm going to go visit him, uh, at the end of January, I'm going up there for some training and, and I'm going to go, bed, go, go spend a day and, and check out his operations. He's super sharp. Uh, the PCA is, is much more valuable now than, it, than it's ever been. You guys are doing a lot of good work over there nice. um, as far as teaching people and, and, and uh, really focusing on the stuff that matters the most. Um, you know, the, the social media, uh, the engagement, the, the, I haven't, I haven't been as close to so many painting contractors. I've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, what we have available to us now compared to what I had in the early nineties, you know, if you wanted to find a coach or a mentor back in 1995, you had to reach out to your circle of influence and talk to people and find someone to coach you. If you want to find a, a coach or a consultant now, you go onto Facebook or Google and you could find 30 people that are willing to coach you right now on whatever topic you want to be coached on. And yeah. whether they're good or not, that's a question, but uh, the community that we have now is, is so much better now, you know, um, uh, 
And I think that's going to do nothing but, but, but improve. So these yeah. young guys that are coming up, they have such an advantage over us guys that, that, that were before them, you know, right. and they may not ever really appreciate that. It's, you know, being able to learn now is, is so much easier. So, so I think, I think we're, I think the, the painters that are, the painting contracts that are coming up, they're going to be much more educated on, on, on how to run a really successful business. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that our industry is really on the right path to, uh, it used to be all about craftsmanship, right? Um, I think that shift has changed. Craftsmanship is super important, but the experience of the employees and the company and the business owner and all that stuff, I think is really becoming more uh, top of mind. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and, and I think from that perspective too, it, it's easier as an employee or as a potential employee to compare options. Right. It's easier to find coaches. It's also easier to see to follow 10 of your local painting companies and see which one looks like the best. And then go to Glassdoor, right? And and see you can actually sometimes find interviews or, or surveys by current that are that are anonymous by current employees, or you can actually reach out to them on LinkedIn and say, Hey, how, how do you like so the the uh, I guess there's more transparency kind of all around. It's hard to hide. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't operate a good business, man, it's hard to hide nowadays, man. You better, you better be on your P's and Q's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you mentioned my, our biggest challenge coming into next year, um, yeah. is, uh, really I, I'm, my next focus is I, I, I want to build a really good sales team. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you need to get the most out of your, your appointments that you run. Um, you know, they're the out front representing your companies. So you need really good people that are professional salespeople. And we're pretty good at that, um, but we're not great. We charge a lot of, you know, we're at the higher end of, of pricing for, for what we do. Um, so you need people that, that, you know, know how to talk to people and, and find out the reason why they're doing what they're doing. So um, I can only take my sales team so far. So, you know, first quarter of next year, the goal is to hire a, a sales manager for our organization. Um, you know, primary role is going to be coaching and developing my sales team uh, because hiring, training, onboarding a new sales rep is, is a, it takes a lot of time. Yep. And then the on ongoing maintenance of, of coaching and training them uh, really requires someone that's really focused on it. So um, our goal for 2022 is really just to, to build out the sales team. And that'll, that'll lessen the, 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 there'll be fewer direct reports to me. Now I'll just have to have the sales manager reporting to me. So that'll uh, free up a lot of my time so that I can focus on uh, hiring a general manager to replace yeah. me. So, that delegation. As, you, as you grow and scale your business, it's all about replacing yourself. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, it, when you first start, you're the painter. I got to eventually hire a painter to replace myself as a painter. Then I'm a job leader and I got to hire a job leader. Right. Uh, now I got eight guys working for me and I'm, I'm the, the outside project manager of the project manager. I need to hire a project manager. Now I'm selling. I got to hire a sales guy. Yeah. Now I'm a sales manager. I got to hire a sales manager. Right. Just uh, you gotta, it's, it's, it's just rinse and repeat, man. It's it's replace yourself until until you don't need to be replaced anymore because all so all the roles the, are filled. Golf you know? clubs. Yeah, you're you're just doing 18 holes a day. Mm -hmm. There's a dream. Well, I I super appreciate your time, Tim. I have one more question for you. As you noted, a, a lot of younger guys are looking to you and saying, Hey, that's where I want to be. Do you have any other advice for, for painting company owners that want to achieve the scale that, and success that you have? Uh, again, I would, I would get your why figured out. 
You know, it's, 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 it's probably a never ending process, but try to get some clarity on that. So you know why you want to grow your business. Um, and understand that, that in order to scale your business, it's going to require people, people development. Um, as you replace yourself in the company, you need to define each role. It needs to be really clear on, on, on what success looks like, what specifically is the most important things they do for the company. Uh, and make that really clear and then how we do it. And then you need to find the right person to fill that, that position. Uh, that's the perfect fit for it. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's not easy. It isn't easy. This stuff isn't easy. Um, the, the good thing is that there's a ton of information out there and there's people that, that have already, that are already doing this type of thing. Yeah. That already know how to do it. This is not, these aren't unique problems. These, these are the same problems that every company goes through. I don't care what industry it is. They all go through the same problems. Um, you're going to hit these ceilings where you need to add another person, another key person to help you break through that ceiling. And if you don't have a good map and you don't have those roles clearly defined, um, I can't tell many how many how many good people I've lost because I was didn't have good role clarity. I didn't. Yep. They didn't know what a win looked like. They didn't know they they weren't recognized for good performance. You know. So being clear, really clear on the roles, define the role, what it is they do, what excellence looks like, and then how to do it. You need to have some good processes in place so that when you hire that person, they're really clear on what it is that you're going to have them do. They have documentation on how to do it. You train it. You train it. You keep training it. You got to yeah. develop that person until, I mean, it, seriously, when you hire a project manager, I used to think, you know, hire someone or promote someone and they should be really good at it in 30 days. No, man, it's 18 months until that person is going to really get it. Yeah. Uh, and it, and in order in 18 months, that means that you spent a lot of time with them. If you haven't spent any time with them, they're not going to move. They're going to be right. stuck in the same, same failing state that, that you, you, you put them in when you first hired them. You know? So, um, yeah, I think we, as, as business owners have this tendency to think, well, I know how to do that. That's easy. So why, why did they do it the wrong way? Or why is this not how I wanted it? When, if you, if you're not setting them up for success with the very clear job role, very clear, like you said, a picture of what success looks like, then of course they're unlikely to hit the target just randomly. Yeah. One of my uh, crew leaders at our, at our crew leader meeting uh, just, just yesterday, uh, he says, what do I do when I got a guy that just doesn't want to work hard? Right. I said, well, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, tell me more about that. What do you mean he doesn't want to work hard? Well, he's just not very fast. I said, well, what have you, how are you coaching him? What are you doing to, to help him get out of not being fast? Right? It's, it's super easy just to say, guy's not fast. Let's get, get rid of him, get somebody else in there. But as a, as a coach, a leader, or a manager, you need to ask yourself first, when someone's failing in a role in your company, is have you provided all the support that they need to be successful? Uh, and you need to help coach that person up to excellence. Yeah. Have, you have you painted a picture for that person on what excellence looks like? Don't attack the person. You know, um, I said, I said when, when a new guy comes onto your job, the first thing you should do is spend some spend 10 minutes with them and tell them what excellence looks like on your job sites. Everyone on my team, they show up 15 minutes before start time. 
they have tools in their hand. We have a, a five-minute huddle before we start the day. We're going to talk about the goals we want to get done for the first half of the day, the goals we want to get done for the second half of the day. I'm going to coach. I'm going to help you learn all these skills and techniques, but I need you to work hard. Yeah. I need you to be engaged. I need you to care about your work. I need you to listen to me. Right? Um, are you that guy? Set expectations up right right when the person walks onto the job site so they're clear on what success looks like and what you expect from them. Yep. Um, it's, it's weird in our industry. People just, it's always muddled. Right. It, those things just aren't set, made clear up front. And they wonder why their people aren't performing, you know? Yeah. You can't point the finger at the, at the employee. You need to point the finger at you and go, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And if how it do I, does. How do I fix myself, you know? Yeah, and if and if there actually is a legitimate bad employee, which sometimes there will be, how did that person make it to your team? What's broken in your hiring process that that happened? It's still your fault. I think that accountability yeah, the, is huge. One of my good friends that's in a different industry, he's in the tech industry. Uh, he once told me, he said, "I never have to fire my employees. They always fire themselves." Yeah, that stuck with me for a long time. It's 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 100% accurate as long as you are clear on expectations and how to do it, and you're coaching, and they can't get it done because they're lazy, right? Not because of lack of coaching and training, because they just choose not to do it. You know, they'll fire themselves. Yeah, and I think there that it can be underestimated the impact that how you treat one underperforming employee can have on the rest of your team. You know, if you if you're seen as a guy who just lets them go. Versus you're seen as the guy who really cares. Even your best performing employees see that. Yeah, and they'll suck all the energy out of the, the leadership team. He's getting that, that drama guy, the guy that's, that's sponging all the resources and energy out of the rest of the team because he refuses to, to, to fall in line and, and, and live the company culture. You, know, you got to get rid of that person quick. Yeah, otherwise, it spreads, otherwise it spreads like cancer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, this was incredibly insightful. You're running a, a people business first. I, I super appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would like to say? No, you know, uh, uh, cautiously optimistic uh, for next year. I would love to see a five to 10 year run of what we had in 2021. Yeah. That would be awesome. It you would. Know, it's, hard to, it's hard to get a good run like we got in a, we all need it. We all need some really good positive stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so awesome. I wish everybody out there good luck and uh, and and keep on keeping on. You know? it, it, Joe Dirt, did you get that from Joe Dirt? <laughs> I like say that? I say that no one knows what I'm talking about. I say keep on keeping on. I love that movie. It's a classic. classic. Dude, it's a great. The, the guy's attitude is just fantastic. Anytime I think I feel down, I look at that movie and I'm like you're not down. Yeah, it's amazing. I need to I need to bring back the mullet. Yeah, the mullet. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, man. Well, Tim, thanks so much, man. It's awesome. All right. Good chatting with you. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing.
Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.